0: When the same problem is burning you four times in the first ten games, it's not a fluke. Not anymore. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Penguins are in Chicago tonight to face... The tattered remains of the Blackhawks franchise, on and off the ice. Complete catastrophe in every way. And they should, even while missing all the players they're still missing, be favored. But they need to take care of business. And they need to start taking care of business on one specific front regardless of who they're playing. And that's protecting the late lead. When you give up goals to a team that's got the extra attacker, generally speaking, over the years, it's never really been seen as some kind of real crime or shortcoming because it happened so rarely. What's changed, really, in hockey over the last couple of years is that analytics have illustrated and head coaches are finally embracing that you're way better off pulling your goaltender sooner rather than later. It doesn't feel right when you do it. It felt outright bizarre when John Cooper was doing it in Tampa, in the season opener this year, regardless of the score, regardless of how far the Bolts were down, and he did it with six minutes left in regulation. It feels like forfeiting. It feels like the coach is giving up because the outcome of the game can be determined earlier, and fans can be seen leaving for the exits earlier. But math is math. You know, it's really hard to argue with math. And the information that's available, the tracking that's been done, the way it's been documented, is really convincing. So you're going to see more teams do it more often and earlier. And that should explain why the Penguins invested Part of their practice yesterday in Cranberry in defending 5-on-6. It's a, it's a drill that you don't see very often, as Mike Matheson confirmed afterward.
1: Uh, well, I think uh, I'd say part of it is the amount that you see it. Um, I, I think you're 5-on-4 a, a lot more often than you're 5-on-6, and so maybe we we focused on that a little bit more, um, through practice. Um, and and, you know, so maybe our timing wasn't there. Maybe our roles and responsibilities weren't as clear. Um, and, and maybe as players, we weren't, um, as adept to to what those roles and responsibilities were. And so obviously we got exposed and that was unacceptable in, in the last game against the wild, um, with, uh, was it three, four minutes that they scored the the four three goal? Um, you know, if you're up four two without that much time left in the game, you should be able to to just hunker down and, and get the win. And so that was one that um, you know is is a good learning uh, process, and and will be important for us going down the road. It's you know it's a good thing that it happened now. If it had to happen, obviously we wish it hadn't, um, but. You know, Hopefully we learn from it and, and it doesn't happen again through the rest of the season. This
0: portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need and they in turn need your help. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how $1 from you can be converted into five full meals for those in need. PittsburghFoodBank.org. Five on six. What do you think of when you think of five on six? I just think of a really, really, really cluttered attacking zone, you know? I mean, I I don't even think of it as uh, something that has a, a structure to it. I don't know how you would practice it. Because it's 12 humans inside the blue line, if you're including the goaltender. And you're going to see a more reckless approach from the attacking team. You're going to see them put three sticks on one in an attempt to make sure that they have possession because they have nothing to lose. They have everything to gain from being excessively aggressive. That includes, by the way, the number of bodies that they'll send to the net. More often than not, when you see an extra attacker goal, it's not on some kind of rush or anything pretty. It's just a Bunch of guys banging away in there, and somebody ends up with it. Think of the goals that Florida scored down in Sunrise in the season's second game. This has now hit the Penguins, as I mentioned in the open, four times out of ten, and it's cost them points. It's also affected them specifically in the last two games, the Flyers tying late. And then, uh, yeah, we don't need to go over the Minnesota one, right? Okay. Figure it out. I heard from more coaches than I can count, but including Mike Sullivan himself, when three-on-three overtime really got rolling, that there's just not a strategy there. There's not something that you do. It's it's hard to say because there's so much open ice. How do you handle it? How do you deal with it? You know what we started to see over time were those sequences where the player would skate out of the attacking zone with possession. The Phil Kessel play, we used to call it, because Phil was one of the first who was doing it, and he was doing it in a Pittsburgh sweater, where he would just totally reset. He didn't like what he saw. He didn't like the fact that he was trapped in a certain quadrant up near the blue line. So He's like, I'm not going to lose possession over this. So he'd turn around and go all the way back to center red and then get it going again. Never seen it before in hockey. It was an adjustment. It was a strategy that was added because of something new to the game. Whether it was a coach who did it, whether it was a player, whether it was Phil himself, I can't say. But it happened, and now you see everyone doing it. Everyone, there's no exceptions, there's no players, no teams who are participating in three-on-three overtime who don't do that. So maybe there's a way, there's a strategy, there's something specific that you can do five-on-six. Maybe, and here's just winging it as an idea, you completely pack it in. Like Team Slovenia style from Sochi, where you just fill the middle of the rink and block out, you know, an illegal basketball defense, if you will. That keeps pucks out, but it also keeps that mass of bodies out. If that's your priority, even if you got to do a couple of uh, illegal things, and I'm talking about interference and picks, not talking about hooks and holds and obvious stuff. If you do that, at least you give your goaltender a chance to see these shots. Maybe that's the approach that you take. And it's not the same approach that you take as if it's five on five. As you heard Matheson say, it's not something that you are used to dealing with as a player. So you tend to treat it like five on five, even though there's an extra player on the ring. Well, don't. something a little different oh by the way facing the blackhawks don't even get yourself in that situation when we come back just one question Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T SportsNet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this program a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to fubotvcom DK. Our J1Q comes from Daniel Matos in Brazil, and Daniel asks. John Marino and Marcus Patterson have both fared so much better this season. We might even argue they're the Penguins' best defensemen to this point. What do you think are the adjustments that they made to their game? Well, these are very different players. Even though they've been paired together and even though they seem to have terrific chemistry together, there's no way they could have both gotten to the same Spot with the same path, so I'll take them separately. Pedersen is obviously on the shelf right now with the COVID protocol, but when he was playing, all indicators are that he was the Penguins' best-rated defenseman when it comes to advanced analytics. I'm not going to say best defenseman because I'm watching Chris Letang, and what Letang's doing right now, the impact that he's having on the team. Is something else, including when it comes to ice time, which also is data. But Pedersen was really, really good, and Marcus basically, and he's talked about this, rededicated himself to making smart, aggressive plays. He's an unusual dude, and I don't mean that off the ice because he's actually like the really, the, the, like the coolest guy, really, really smart guy. And funny and everything else. But he's unusual in the hockey sense, in that he's outrageously skinny. You know, uh, almost like a like a cartoon character. And he can't add weight. He can't add bulk. It's not a matter of, hey, Marcus, go have some cheeseburgers. You know? He, he's understood what his frame is and how to work with it. He's got a little bit of a snarl to his game that he applies. It kind of helps make up to some extent for the lack of bulk. But more than anything else, he can skate better than you think for somebody his size. And he can join the attack, sometimes even lead the attack, better than you think for someone who has that kind of gangly appearance to him. He is effective when he's moving forward. What he kind of lost track of last year and maybe lost his way to an extent. I didn't think his year was as bad as a lot of people painted, but even if you take the stance that it was, he really just needed to get his bearings in his own zone uh, and not be as out of control. Uh, Marcus is most effective on defense when he's not noticed at all. When he's just finding a way to put himself in good position to have a puck battle and then after that win the puck battle. Because from there, he'll get the puck and do something good with it. John Marino is that much simpler. John Marino has been given the Latang treatment by Todd Reardon, by his teammates and everything else. And I say that in a good way because I'm referring to Latang a few years ago when the team basically told him, look, Tanger, we know you can do all these other things, but we need it to start here. We need you to start by taking care of your own zone. And Marino had become a little out of control in that regard. And in fairness to Marino, he'd also been paired with some guys that are tough to be paired with, notably Mike Matheson. Uh, You don't want to spend half of every shift covering for someone else's mistakes in your own zone. It'll unsettle every aspect of your game. So basically what they did with John was said, listen, it all starts back here. It starts on the back end. Again, same thing that they were sharing with Letang, and I'm sure you've heard me tell that story many times about the Just Defend Admonition that Sullivan gave Latang on the morning of Game Six in San Jose, and what ended up happening from just defend, Latang scored one of the more memorable goals in franchise history by being extremely aggressive in the Sharks' end. That's that's how that works, and that's what they see in Marino. Not necessarily that they see Latang, but they see that construct to the player, so they've had Marino focus on that, and this is why, you know, you just gotta get these guys healthy again, you gotta get them back in a lineup, enough protocol, enough surgeries and rehabs and illnesses and everything else because it's a pretty good hockey team when you have everyone together and specifically, this Marino and Petterson pairing was a nice thing Know, and it's it's going to be one again. It's just they've got to find a way to get through all this. I appreciate the question, Daniel. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do it again tomorrow.